As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Free Mind Podcast. I am your host, Dave Hurt, and it's another free solo episode today. Couple things housekeeping wise. First off, uh, as I've mentioned, the shirts are going to be dropping soon, so keep an eye out for that. I am going to be posting about them on my social media, and hopefully, we'll have that pre order up soon. Like I said, there was just a couple issues with getting some of the shirt colors that I really wanted because of all this uh, fun supply chain stuff. So just uh, bear with me on that. And um, as always, I appreciate everybody's support for what I'm doing here. I am going to be appearing on the We The People, I believe, is the name of the show. And I'm just terrible at at remembering anything, so I just want to double check. We The People Radio. So I'm going to be doing a show with those guys or that guy tonight at 8.30. And um, looking forward to doing that. I'll keep you guys posted on when that gets uh, when that gets put online. But they are at uh, we.thepeople, excuse me, we.the.people.radio on Instagram. So you can check them out there. I'll be doing that uh, this afternoon or this evening rather after I record this show. So uh, that's coming up. Also, I uh, always forget to do this, but if you don't follow me on Instagram, go ahead and follow me there at I am Dave Hurt. If you don't follow me on Twitter, I'm there as well. Same handle at I am Dave Hurt. And then there's a, a an Instagram account for the podcast at the Free Mind Podcast um, on Instagram again. So check us out on all the social media outlets. I do not do TikTok, um, but I do have Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. So I'm on there as Dave Hurt, and I'm going to be creating a uh, Free Mind Podcast Facebook group just for folks who listen to the show, myself, uh, everybody to kind of be in there and, and share information, you know, just kind of build some community around this thing. Also, I am starting the Free Mind Book Club next week. And I'm really stoked to do this. So the way it's going to work is each week I'm going to devote an episode to basically doing a recap of a few chapters in whatever book we're reading. So I'm going to kick it off with the newly released book by Alex Berenson. I'm really excited for this one, Pandemia. 
how coronavirus hysteria took over our government rights and lives. So again, that's by Alex Berenson, and uh, that'll be the first book that we do for the Free Mind Book Club. If you're interested in getting involved in that, uh, go ahead and pick up a copy of the book and Really, that's all it'll entail, reading along. Um, Each week, like I said, I'll give a recap of a few of the chapters, and then I'll basically say, you know, for next week, I'm going to have this chapter and this chapter read or whatever it may be. That way you guys can keep up, and then we can kind of communicate uh, over social media, or, you know, you guys can uh, comment on the YouTube channel or, or what have you with kind of your takes and your ideas. And like I said, I'm going to create that Facebook group as well. So we'll have lots of avenues for communication. And, uh, you know, I think that's important these days because social media is uh, fleeting. (laughs) You can be canceled at any time or you can be suspended at any time. So I'm trying to diversify the different places where we basically have a presence for this thing. And that way, hopefully, we'll... uh, will be able to persist in the face of cancel culture and censoring and everything else. Okay, first up, Nancy Mace. So Nancy Mace is a congresswoman actually for my home state of South Carolina. And she's been in the news lately, especially today. I've seen some stuff circulating around her. There's kind of two things. She's got this Twitter beef going with Marjorie Taylor Greene back and forth, which is honestly, regardless of what you think about the two ladies, it's pretty juvenile. I mean, it's just not, in my opinion, you're you're an elected official representing the people of your district. You, you guys, you just got to stop that stuff. And it's just, it's just social media teenager kind of bullcrap. And so I hate seeing that. I hate seeing that with any politicians doing that. Uh, you know, the back and forth stuff. I understand using social media to get your message out there. Obviously, our former president used Twitter a ton until he was banned from it, you know, just to basically communicate directly with the people. I think it's a little different when you're going back and forth arguing about stuff between two elected officials. And it was really catty stuff. I mean, pretty, I don't know, just it was off-putting to say the least. But the thing I wanted to talk about today is there's a bunch of stuff circulating right now about Nancy Mace and it's essentially saying that she gave two different statements on Fox News and CNN regarding vaccines. Now, obviously, when I heard this, I was very reactionary and I was like, what the hell? This is ridiculous. That's, you know, so just two-faced and how could she do that? But then often as these things go, when I took the time to actually check out the content or the footage. It's a little different. So essentially what you had was really, and maybe not communicating communicating it in the best way, but really she was kind of espousing the same message that most people, especially on the right, do essentially advocate for today. And, and I'm talking about uh, Rand Paul, uh, Ron DeSantis, you know, folks who, who are, are very in intellectual in their approach to this thing. And essentially what you saw Nancy Mace doing was on Fox News, she was talking about how studies have shown that natural immunity is orders of magnitude more effective than vaccination, than protection from vaccination. So, and, and that's completely true. And that needs to be talked about. Now, 
the the big issue people are taking is that she was saying that on Fox News, talking about how uh, natural immunity is very robust and it's more protective than vaccination. <clears throat> and then on CNN, she was essentially uh, advocating for vaccinations, talking about how she's always been an advocate for vaccinations and even masking in some situations from the beginning. And folks were calling her a hypocrite for that. Now, the the issue that I have is that those are not mutually exclusive ideas. I mean, you can absolutely say, hey, natural immunity is far more robust and more ideal than getting vaccinated, of course. But also, yes, if you feel you need to go get vaccinated, it does provide you some protection because you're not just going to tell people to go catch COVID so that they have more robust natural immunity. You know, I have my own ideas and I chose personally not to get vaccinated and I did get COVID and my immune system fought it off. And now I have a very robust natural immunity to the virus, presumably, but it's not, <laughs> it's not hypocritical or this outlandish take to acknowledge natural immunity, but also advocate for the use of the vaccine. And, and that's what I saw her doing in each of these two clips. It's very odd to see folks spin it kind of the other way. And I was seeing it on the left and the right. I mean, she's getting essentially attacked by both sides on this, uh, calling her a hypocrite. And I, I don't know if it's just a fundamental lack of understanding that people have, but you can absolutely recommend that people get vaccinated and then also recognize that natural immunity is better. This is the the take that you've heard from Rand Paul. He He advocates getting vaccinated. He also talks about natural immunity and how it's better. Same thing with Ron DeSantis. He says, if you, if you feel as though it's for you based on your personal choice, go get vaccinated. Absolutely. Uh, natural immunity definitely matters as well. And, and we've seen that it's more robust. I mean, this is essentially the most commonsensical take. This is, if you're a politician, that is. Now, to... To be a hypocrite in this scenario, I mean, what she would really have to do is go on Fox News and talk about how natural immunity is stronger than being vaccinated, which she did. But then she she would need to be on CNN basically saying that getting vaccinated is stronger than natural immunity. That's how she would have been a hypocrite. But she wasn't. She didn't do that. She was just simply advocating for vaccination, which, look. Tons and tons of politicians on the left and the right do. I don't know if I've actually seen a single politician, even on the right, say don't get vaccinated. I mean, they're basically all saying the, the vaccine works. If you feel as though it's the right choice for you, do it. The, the big difference, of course, politically is one side is much more in favor of mandating vaccines. And, of course, that's the left then the right is, is of course, for the most part, pro-vaccine but anti-mandate. So, you know, I haven't seen a single politician that's like, screw the vaccine, period, don't take it. Uh, I've seen a lot who say, look, I think that if you're in a, in a compromised um, cohort, if you have comorbidities, if you're older or whatever, absolutely consider the vaccine. It's your personal choice, but definitely go get it. If if you think you should, because it works and it provides you some some protection, but then also saying like natural immunity is absolutely something that matters. And the big 
conversation around natural immunity is really in the context of, of vax mandates and things like air travel and stuff. And, you know, I think that it's very reasonable for people like Nancy Mace to bring it up in that context and say like, hey, look, I recommend people get vaccinated, but we cannot ignore the fact that natural immunity is a thing. And if you're going to require a vax passport for someone to dine in your restaurant, you should absolutely also accept natural immunity, the fact that they've had a previous COVID infection. And that's where you really see the natural immunity thing come up uh, as far as the political debate. Now, I am, excuse me, I am not in favor of any kind of mandate. Uh, just to be clear, I'm just basically talking through kind of what these various people's takes are on it. And you, and you saw Nancy Mace's essentially two appearances on the same day on the two different news networks being spun as her being a hypocrite. I would encourage you guys to go look at them yourself make your own assessment. But in my opinion, she was just simply acknowledging the strength of natural immunity in one clip and then talking about how vaccines work in the other clip. She never made a contradictory statement. She never said that vaccines work better than natural immunity. None of that. And, and people are really just kind of taking it, spinning it and running with it. So that's going on right now. And like anything, I think it's a, it's a great opportunity to discuss the fact that, look, stuff like this comes out people react emotionally. Get in the habit of checking yourself. Just take a second and examine these things. And like I've said before, preferably from different sources, from different sides of the debate. And a lot of times you'll find that maybe your hot take was a little inaccurate and it wasn't based on the full story. So uh, don't take my word for it. Investigate this stuff yourself. Check out Nancy Mace's statements. Make your own conclusions. But that's what I got from it. <clears throat> uh, other news, Twitter, we talked about in the last episode and yesterday's episode that Jack Dorsey has stepped down and now the former CTO is in the CEO spot in Jack's wake. And we've already talked about the fact that this guy has said straight up that he's not concerned with the first amendment. He essentially doesn't think that Twitter should uh, abide by the First Amendment. And so that's pretty scary stuff. Uh, today, Twitter released a statement saying that they're basically not going to allow folks to use private pictures or videos of others without their consent. Um, unless, of course, they're involved in a large news story that has already been covered by the mainstream media. So essentially, it's a huge blow at independent journalism, stuff like Project Veritas and, and tons of other independent journalists who put their, their findings and their news out on Twitter. And this isn't the first effort Twitter has made to silence actual news. We obviously saw it when they blocked the New York Post's article about Hunter Biden's laptop and uh, – it was just this blatant display of censorship heading into an election, and, and they had a real tangible effect on the outcome of the election because there have since been polls by people, especially moderates and independents, who said that had they known about the actual laptop story when they voted, it would have changed the way they voted. So this is a very real thing. People use Twitter to get information, and there are a ton of journalists who use Twitter to disseminate that information. 
And now this is really hamstringing their ability to do that. Their Twitter is essentially saying, again, that if it's a, a picture or video of a private person, you can't post it. So this would this could be like – and folks, you guys can correct me if I'm wrong in the comments or wherever. But presumably this is like police body cam footage, uh, all kinds of stuff like that, right? Of course, like I said, the Project Veritas stuff where he does undercover work. And essentially they're saying you can't share that stuff to Twitter until after it's been shared by the mainstream media, CNN, MSNBC, etc., so it's like this blatant attempt at shifting the power back to the mainstream media outlets and really giving them an advantage because they haven't been able to do it on their own journalistic merits. So it's pretty gross in my opinion. Now, this is all sort of unfolding. This is, was a new announcement today, so we'll see where it goes from there. But that's a, a very big development, and a lot of people are – really up in arms about it. You know, a lot of people are really concerned about it. So we'll see where that goes. Uh, like I said, I think in the last episode, it's just one platform. So, you know, make sure you diversify, be on all the platforms, especially if you have a business or whatever that needs social media. Don't put all your eggs in this basket. And uh, yeah, that's, I think, your best protection. So Another thing I wanted to talk about, oh boy, stuff like this, man, I tell you. So Canada's indigenous health expert, Carrie Borassa, loses her job when her ancestry claims are proven false. Okay, this is the indigenous health expert. So this is Canada's expert on the health of their indigenous people, their native Native Americans, native Canadians, whatever the proper term would be. Um, and uh, she she's basically just a white woman. And she had essentially claimed that she had an indigenous people's background. And that's not the case. So here we go. So a Canadian medical researcher who rose to become the nation's top voice on indigenous health has been ousted from her government job and her university professorship after suspicious colleagues investigated her increasingly fanciful claims of Native American heritage and learned that she was a fraud. What is up with white women claiming to be Native Americans. Elizabeth Warren, I'm looking at you. Goodness gracious, you guys. Like time and time again, you find and, – and look, I, I know that a lot of times it seems like I'm, I'm trashing the left. But you got to be objective as, as objective as possible. And, and this is someone who is definitely on the left as was Elizabeth Warren or as is Elizabeth Warren. And it's like to be on the side – that claims to be so concerned with the rights uh, of indigenous peoples and black and brown people, they are really, really take, trying to take advantage of falsely claiming to have a, a Native American or indigenous background. And it's disgusting, man. I mean, this, this is like the worst. Like Elizabeth Warren claimed her Native American heritage and used it to her advantage when applying to college she was listed as like the first woman of color 
as a professor at, at Harvard or something like that. I mean, all this stuff. And she's like clearly a white lady, like the, the whitest lady. I mean, Elizabeth Warren is as white as they come. And, you know, same with this woman. One look at her and it's very clear that she's just a white chick. And, I mean, this is just gross, gross stuff, man. Falsely claiming that you have a background in one of these ethnicities to take advantage of it. I mean, you're you're not even just not a proponent for Native and Indigenous people. You're actually on the other end of the spectrum. You're an enemy to them because you're taking something that could have been a native person's, right? So this position that she has had could have been filled by a person of color or a, an indigenous person or what have you. But she was perfectly happy to claim that status and take the position from one of them. So this is as pernicious as it gets. I mean, like I said, this isn't just not being an advocate for these people. This is actually being an enemy of these people. The same with Elizabeth Warren. She used it to her advantage to get a spot in university to get a professorship, etc. And that spot could have gone to someone who was not a fraud, someone who was an actual indigenous person. So stuff like this really just boils my blood. I mean, it's, it's really gross stuff. So apparently the Canadian broadcasting company published a lengthy expose on her background. Um, she claimed that she was a member of the Matisse nation and that was false. So her, her ancestors are from Russia, Poland, and Czechoslovakia. And uh, yeah, she was just straight up lying. Complete imposter. This is an article from the New York Post, but you can just Google it and there's articles everywhere. So, oh man, this just makes you cringe. I got to read this to you guys, okay? So it says, colleagues began to doubt Barasa's story as she began to add claims of Anishinaabe and Tlingit heritage to her tale, and I apologize if I mispronounced any either of those. She, and then she took to dressing in stereotypically indigenous fashion. It started to unravel in 2019 when she appeared in full tribal regalia, draped in an electric blue shawl with a feather in her partially braided hair to give a TEDx talk at the University of Saskatchewan in Saskatoon. <laughs> Listen to this. My name is Morning Star Bear, she said tearfully as the crowd cheered. I'm Bear Clan. I'm Anishinaabe Matisse from Treaty 4 Territory. She proclaimed as she described an impoverished childhood beset by violence. But colleagues at the university where Barasa held a professorship smelled a rat. When I saw that TEDx, to be quite honest, I was repulsed by how hard she was working to pass herself off as indigenous said Winona Wheeler, an associate professor of indigenous studies at the college. Wheeler, a documented member of Manitoba's Fisher River Cree Nation, started digging into Barassa's genealogical records and took her findings to the media. But when pressed to provide evidence of Native American heritage, Barassa suddenly changed her story, saying that she had been adopted into the Matisse community by an unnamed Matisse friend of her deceased grandfather, Clifford LaRoque. <laughs> <laughs> even though Clifford passed, those bonds are even deeper than death because the family has taken me as if I were their blood family, she insisted in a statement. In turn, I serve the Matisse community to the best of my ability. 
Oh, boy. The case is drawing comparisons to that of Rachel Dolezal. Oh, yeah, Rachel Dolezal, the white woman who claimed to be black, and she was president of a local branch of the NAACP. And also to Senator Elizabeth Warren, who claimed Native American ancestry on the strength of family lore and her, quote, high cheekbones. So there you have it, folks. Another white lefty woman exposed as a fraud posing as an indigenous person. Jeez, man. Jeez. It's it's just gross. I mean, it's I laugh a little bit because of how preposterous it is. But it's really just gross. <laughs> okay, so I'm not I'm not going to belabor that anymore. You guys can google it, check it out and and read all you want about it. But man, that's Okay, so I wanted to talk about a couple things that are also I don't know. What's the best term here? Depressing, I guess. Sorry. I promise I won't end it on a depressing note, but I did want to bring this stuff up because, man, I I tell you what, guys. If you don't want to get depressed, don't go on Twitter. But I saw a tweet, and I actually – I made a social media post about it. It was uh, from a person who had a pretty big following, uh, a bigger following than me. And this is what she said. She said, sometimes I sit back and ponder how great America would actually be if a new COVID variant wiped out every single unvaccinated person in the U.S., leaving only the caring, educated, selfless people with common fucking sense. So I made a post with this where I also included. So I I included a snapshot of that tweet and then I put above it. I used to wonder how people could stoop to the level of the atrocities that occurred in the Holocaust. These two years have made it very clear. This is frightening. And it is. This is incredibly frightening stuff. And you have a person who truly believes that she's virtuous, that she is the good one. She describes her and her ilk as caring, educated, and selfless while in the same breath wishing death upon millions and millions of people. This is how fragile humanity is, and this is how easily we can end up on the precipice of doing horrible things to our fellow humans, okay? This is incredibly disturbing to me. Just, I mean, you have to think about this objectively. And what you have here is someone saying that they wish millions of people would die because essentially they're bad people and she's a good person and she deserves to live and they do not. So, man, and I don't bring this up to bum you guys out. It's really just about like this is the state of things. And I think, uh, again, as, as I mention often, I think a lot of this is fueled by corporate media. And these narratives that corporate media pushes about whether it's race or or vaccination status or whatever, it's just these grossly misinformed narratives that they push for very pernicious reasons, right? And it drives a wedge between people. I mean, this is gross, gross stuff. And I've never heard someone on the other side of that argument wish that all vaccinated people died 
As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only. Not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. You know, it's, it's, I don't know, the, the, the radicalism that this particular side is starting to exhibit, at least in what they say, and obviously in, in their actions with the, the looting and burning and destruction that occurred all of 2020 and into 2021, uh, it's just very alarming. And it's alarming that those on the political left and the Democrat Party are are complicit in it. They're okay with it, and they encourage it. In fact, and and this is where we end up. We end up with people wishing for genocide on others simply because of their medical status. Now, the fact that the vaccine does not prevent you from catching or spreading COVID doesn't matter to these people. It either doesn't matter, or they lack a fundamental understanding of the science. They they still think. I guess that unvaccinated people are somehow more dirty, quote unquote, and, and more likely to give other people the disease, which of course is not the case. It's been shown quite conclusively now with many studies. Uh, it's just this tribal mentality of really simple minded people, people who aren't complex thinkers, people who don't take the time to critically assess things, being emotional and reacting as such. And you have stuff like this. And it's disturbing, man. It truly worries me. And I think one of the most important things we can do is to keep talking about it. We have to keep talking about it. We have to expose the terrible nature of these ideologies and, and this way of thinking. And we have to hold accountable these corporate media I don't even know, there's so many words I could use, but these awful people in corporate media who are pushing this narrative on us, who are creating people like this, they are radicalizing people who wish that millions of their fellow humans would die. That's what it's come to, ladies and gentlemen. So one other thing I wanted to bring up that just really, man... It just makes you stop sometimes and just be like, 
what in the heck is going on. And it was in a Twitter, I th- what is it called? A Twitter space maybe. Um, but it was a Twitter space that was called, where is it here? First it was called, why do white people exist? With a bunch of question marks. And then later they changed it to white people deserve nothing in you FFIN. And then uh, parentheses share the space child. And then hashtag Mayo monkeys got to go. So presumably a Mayo monkey is a pejorative for white people. Uh, and then again, this was a space on Twitter and it, it popped up at the top of my uh, feed in Twitter. And so I, I popped in there because obviously I'm like, what the heck is this? They're essentially asking why white people exist and saying white people deserve nothing. Um, and look, I think no person deserves anything. I think you got all work for whatever you earn, you know, nothing, you don't, you're not entitled to anything in this life, but that notwithstanding, I mean, it was very clearly animosity towards white people. And of course, this is the type of stuff we saw, from this radical domestic terrorist, Daryl Brooks, who drove a vehicle through a crowd at a Christmas parade, killing six people and injuring like 50. So this is the type of stuff this guy was posting. And this group had, I think, a couple thousand people in it, or Twitter space or whatever it's called, which is essentially like a live space. You go in there and people are are speaking. Uh, The mic gets passed around or what have you. Uh, but some of the posts that were associated with this Twitter space, I mean, it's just awful stuff, man. So again, and this is just essentially how many pejoratives you can come up with for white people. So mayo monkeys, pumpkin spice cum drinkers, bleached cocktail roaches, blended vanilla frappes, plaque colored apes, whipped cream rodents. Dirty Miranda Cosgrove doppelgangers. And this is all from uh, Miss Atike. I probably mispronounced that, so sorry. Really, I'm not sorry. Look at the horrible things you're saying about people based on their race. It's at Vicky, V-I-C-K-I-A-H-N-A. So that's what she had to say about white people. And then here's just another one. Hot Mess Hobie says, Amen. Hashtag Mayo Monkeys Gotta Go. Mayo Monkeys Gotta Go. Essentially, get rid of white people. This is disturbing stuff, you guys. I mean, saying this about any people based on the color of their skin in 2021 is so regressive and depressing. And it's just awful. So, and then here's another one saying, And apparently this is a a defense attorney, a black defense attorney, who says, nose taken up 70% of your face, mad at black women, be mad at your mother and father for your rancid genetics. Hashtag Mayo Monkey's got to go. And that's from Zoya Lott, defense attorney. Uh, More just, (laughs) here's another one calling white people Pillsbury Pilgrims. I mean, it's just essentially a, it was a Twitter space of people of color just shitting on white people, calling them all these horrible names. I mean, you don't see this from the other side. You don't see like Twitter spaces of white people calling people of color all kinds of horrible names as you shouldn't, it shouldn't exist. And the fact that Twitter allows this to exist is really kind of weird 
and also I think gets at this entire issue of a double standard, right? And and I think a lot of that stems from the soft bigotry of low expectation that you often see perpetuated from the left, essentially saying like, oh, we gotta we gotta let them do that. Just let them say all these bad things because, you know, uh that that's just how they are or whatever. And it's like, no, it should be unacceptable for all groups of people to hate on other groups of people based on the color of their skin. Period. Period. Here's another one calling us, us meaning white people, Parmesan parasites. That's from a, a very um, intellectual gentleman called Ricky Spanish. Another one, cream cheese confederates. So this is apparently what uh, what people of color think about white people in America, at least this group of a couple thousand who were in an active Twitter space, which was allowed to be up and to exist. It was not taken down for hate speech or anything like that. Which again, it, and that's fine if you support freedom of speech that includes hate speech, but you should allow it for everyone. And of course, there are tons of examples of, of stuff being taken down for hate speech uh, that's, that's not people of color targeting white people because apparently that's not racism. That's okay. So yeah, cream cheese confederates again from our uh, beacon of intellectual thought, Ricky Spanish here. Um. And then this other person, B-V-G-K-E-N-N, says, fuck being the bigger person, hashtag Mayo Monkey's gotta go. What does being the bigger person have to do with anything? This is what I don't understand is like, who did who did something to you? What did they do to you? Let's talk about it and, and then remedy it. But it just seems like there's so much anger and hate towards a group of people based on the color of their skin for, for nothing, man, for nothing. It's really disturbing stuff. And yeah, just more just more attacks on, on white people. And again, this Twitter space was called White People Deserve Nothing or Nuffin, N-U-F-F-I-N, with the hashtag Mayo Monkeys Gotta Go. So apparently that's uh, what they call white people, Mayo Monkeys. I don't even like mayonnaise that much. I don't know why that's a thing, but... Anyway, that was just some disturbing stuff that I think is important to talk about because in order to get past problems, you first have to acknowledge them. And I think it's a really big problem that first off, a platform like Twitter is going to allow that, but then censor lots of other things that are far less terrible than people just being blatantly racist in talking. I mean, the hashtag alone, Mayo Monkeys gotta go. I mean, gotta go implies getting rid of them. It, it's just, man, it's disgusting stuff. And then, of course, the the fact that it's even happening, I mean, is disturbing, right? Like, geez. So anyway, that was uh, just something that really, I mean, I thought about it a lot yesterday. And it, it just sucks, man, because... It, we don't need to have this much animosity and hate between us. And again, I go back to what I've been saying. It's created by these false narratives pushed by corporate media and then perpetuated by universities. And it's it doesn't need to be that way. It just doesn't need to be that way. And it pains me because I have a, a I'm married to a person of color and our child is mixed race and I hate that 
as she gets older, she's going to start being exposed to some of this stuff and being told that her dad is, is an evil oppressor because he's a white man, you know, despite the fact that I grew up in probably worse conditions than the majority of, of the people of color who are going to be her friends telling her this. But that doesn't matter because all that matters under this ideology is the color of your skin. It doesn't matter if you're a white person who grew up poor, got abused, were uh, homeless and, and all of this stuff. None of that matters. It just matters that you're white. And by a result of that, by default, you're an evil oppressor. And it, it terrifies me that folks are going to try to indoctrinate my daughter, who's technically a person of color, indoctrinate my daughter with this kind of stuff. So but that brings up a whole nother thing. Us as parents, it's our job not to punt to the educational systems, but to be active in educating our children and raising our children. So you better damn well believe I'm going to be very active in making sure that my, my daughter is raised the right way with the right values and not told that the number one thing that matters is the color of people's skin. Anyway, <clears throat> okay, a couple more things, and then I'm going to wrap this bad boy up because I do have to jump on that other podcast and do that appearance. But this is just a real quick update on the Jesse Smollett trial. So apparently the defense that they're going with <laughs> is interesting to say the least. Let's see. i got to pull it back up. I had it pulled up, and then I think I deleted it because I was looking at uh, – the Canadian indigenous, fake indigenous lady. Um, <laughs> so basically, his attorney said that, and this is from the AP, his attorney said that Jesse Smollett is a real victim of an attack in Chicago. And basically, he said that the two brothers that Smollett allegedly hired to be these fake MAGA guys who attacked him um, essentially are like criminal masterminds who essentially like uh, tried to exploit him. Uh, so here, let me just read this to you from the AP. Jesse Smollett is a real victim of a real crime, his attorney said as the ex-Empire actress trial started Monday rejecting prosecutors' allegation that he staged a homophobic and racist attack in Chicago after the television studio where he worked didn't take hate mail he had received seriously. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. 
only 4% of universities in the U.S. are R1 research institutions, and Temple University is one of them. This means 100% of students have the opportunity to participate in hands-on learning and research with world-class faculty. With over 600 academic programs across 17 schools and colleges, Philadelphia's largest public university provides students with a rich variety of opportunities and propels graduates to succeed in their careers. Temple University. Schedule a campus tour today at admissions.temple.edu. visit um, I had read that it was because he wanted more money, but so we'll have to we'll have to look into that a little more. Defense attorney Nene Uche said two brothers attacked Smollett in January because they didn't like him, January of 2019 rather, because they didn't like him and that a $3,500 check the actor paid the men was for training so he could prepare for an upcoming music video, not as payment for staging a hate crime, as prosecutors allege. And uh, let's see here. When he reported the fake hate crime that was a real crime, said Webb, who was named as a special prosecutor after Cook County State Attorney, Kim Fox dropped the original charges, blah, blah, blah. Smollett arrived in the courthouse on Monday with his mother and other family members. Gosh, where does it talk about the part I wanted it? La, 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 la. Sorry, guys, I'm just scrolling here. Mm-hmm. Let's see. So <laughs> I'm I'm going to try to get this pulled up because it was just funny the way that it was phrased and it's so not believable. But uh, we do have to assume innocent until proven guilty. So I, I do want to mention that. But okay. So in opening, <laughs> this is a, a t- um, from Twitter. But uh, this is from Matt Finn on Twitter, who is... Um, a Fox News correspondent. So in opening, his attorney is telling the jury that Smollett is a victim and that the Osendero brothers are sophisticated criminals that did not like Jesse. So essentially, the guys that he hired to do this for him, he is now turning on and trying to say that it was all them, that they are these sophisticated criminal masterminds and Jesse is the victim. Now, <laughs> there is surveillance video where they actually go out uh, before, like the day before or something like that, and they do like a dry run of it. I mean, there's just so much evidence that this is exactly what we originally thought, that Jesse Smollett paid these guys to perpetrate a fake hate crime against him. It says, there's surveillance video from more than four dozen cameras that police reviewed to trace the brothers' movements before and after the report attack, as well as videos showing the brothers purchasing supplies hours earlier. Yeah. I mean, it's just pretty, pretty ridiculous. Um, then there's the whole fact. I mean, all of it is just so crazy. Like he, he kept the rope on his neck uh, until the police came. I mean, just all kinds of stuff that just reeks of like fake fake attack. But I just thought it was wild that that's what they're going with. That actually the guys who Jesse Smollett hired, they're blaming them now. They're, they're trying to turn it on them and say that it's all them trying to perpetuate this like criminal mastermind attempt at exploiting Jesse Smollett or whatever. <clears throat> so we'll, we'll see how that goes. Uh, who knows? Right. Like I said, I joke a lot, um, but we do have to presume innocent until guilty, and we should apply that standard across the board to all trials and, and everything. So 
you know, I, my opinion is that there's a preponderance of evidence that suggests the original accusation that he perpetrated a fake hate crime against himself is in fact what happened, but who knows what's going to come out in court. Now, the last thing I want to talk about might freak you guys out a little bit. Uh, I'm, I'm kind of split on it. Some of it absolutely freaks me out, but the scientist in me is intrigued as well. So this is hot off the press published yesterday. Uh, Team builds first living robots that can reproduce. Now, this is this is interesting because I'm I'm a little confused on some of the aspects of this. So here's the subtitle, and this is from the the Wiss Institute um, at Harvard. So it's published by the Wiss Institute W Y W Y S S. So if you Google Google them, uh, this should come up. But they're calling them xenobots, and essentially they're they're derived from the xenopus, which is a frog, and it's used a lot in reproductive biology. I used xenopus um, in in various uh, reproductive and de- developmental uh, biology classes and things like that when I was in school. But apparently, they have isolated, uh, like undifferentiated cells from xenopus, and then used a computer to design and then hand assemble organisms that can then swim around, interact with each other, find single cells, gather hundreds of, of cells together, and then assemble baby xenobots. Uh, they're, they're shaped like little Pac-Man. <laughs> uh, I mean, they look just like Pac-Man. Uh, very, very interesting stuff. But I don't understand why they're calling them robots uh, because they are purely biological as far as I can tell, there is no interface of, of electronics or anything like that or robotics. They are, they're just um, essentially computer designed, but then they're biological material. So I don't know why they're calling them robots. Um, so that, that aspect is interesting because when I saw the headline, it was, you know, reproducing robots. I'm like, holy crap, how do they get robots to reproduce? But no, they're, they're purely biological materials. So here, here we go. This is what I was talking about. So in the Xenopus frog, the embryonic cells develop into skin normally, these cells that they've taken and isolated. Uh, they would be sitting on the outside of a tadpole, keeping out pathogens and redistributing mucus, says Michael Levine, um, PhD, a professor of biology and director of the Allen Discovery Center at Tufts. And he's the co-leader of this research. Uh, but we're putting them into a novel context, he says. We're giving them a chance to reimagine their multicellularity. That's a really interesting way of phrasing that, referring to uh, essentially small microorganisms as reimagining their multicellularity. So that's using the term imagine is interesting there. Uh, and what they imagine, so he's referring to the actual little organisms, uh, is something far different than skin. Here's a quote from him. People have thought for quite a long time that we've worked out all the ways that life can reproduce or replicate, but this is something that's never been observed before. So see, the scientist in me gets really excited about stuff like this because part of what I was interested in when I was in graduate school and when I was doing my research and 
and all of that, I was really interested in, in, uh, biochemical adaptation to the environment. And I was interested in things like extremophiles that live in, in geothermal vents in the bottom of the ocean. And also as kind of an offshoot of that, I was interested in like the, the biochemical origins of life. So how, you know, um, biological macromolecules give rise to more complex biological structures that then all of a sudden exhibit emergent properties as they organize themselves into more and more uh, complex structures. And so stuff like this is incredibly interesting to me, how you get essentially an assemblage of cells that then all of a sudden exhibit emergent properties that resemble behavior. Okay. And the fact that they can reproduce or replicate themselves is pretty fascinating as well. So apparently each cell still has a fully, uh, fully intact Xenopus genome. So obviously we know that a genome it contains all kinds of instructions, right? And, and different epigenetic effects can occur and all sorts of, of transcription of different genes at different times. So presumably a lot of this behavior is exhibited by that, but it's still, I mean, nonetheless, it's super interesting. So here's another quote from the guy. This is profound, says Levine. These cells have the genome of a frog, but freed from becoming tadpoles, they use their collective intelligence, a plasticity, to do something astounding. Uh, and again, they're calling them xenobots. I don't know where the bot part comes from again, because they're not, they're not robots. They don't have any sort of like electrical interface or silicon parts or anything like that. Um, they're, they're completely biological objects, but they are computer designed. So I guess that's where the bot part comes from. I'm not sure. But they spontaneously replicate, as it says here. Uh, so uh, let's see if there's anything else mentionable here. Yeah, so it says that frog cells are replicating in a way that is very different from how frogs do it. No animal or plant known to science replicates this way. So this is pretty interesting and somewhat <laughs> concerning stuff. I mean, the, the thing you always fear is that if you do create a new life form that can replicate and it doesn't need you to do so and it just sort of takes off and goes about replicating itself and, and all of a sudden it's something you can't control, this can be concerning. So and then how how – would this look in a an evolutionary framework? So what's the mutation rate of this genome and how quickly would it ad adapt and evolve and then give rise to other spinoff organisms and, and things like that? I mean, it's there's all kinds of questions that come to mind, but uh, it's pretty wild. So it's about 3,000 cells. So very, very small. That's, that's incredibly small. Um, yeah, so I, apparently what they did was they used a supercomputer to figure out how to adjust the shape of these 3,000 cell aggregates to make uh, an organism that can self-replicate and stuff. And it ended up, as fate would have it, creating this Pac-Man-shaped uh, organism. And that that's what they look – I mean they look just like Pac-Man. They're like <laughs> – it's wild. Uh, so it's getting it's getting published in PNAS, the Proceedings of the National Academy of Science. Uh, 
and it's, I mean, it's really cool stuff. I, I hope they keep it controlled and obviously <laughs> it doesn't get out of the lab, but they're essentially creating a new life form that can self-replicate. So, you know, we'll see, we'll see how it goes, man. This is, this is crazy stuff. So anyway, a little bit of nerdiness for you guys. Again, this is, uh, I think it's a, a multidisciplinary team, a bunch of folks collaborating together, but this article is out of the WISS Institute, WISS or Weiss, or I don't know how you pronounce it. It's W-Y-S-S um, out of Harvard. And the headline is Team Builds First Living Robots That Can Reproduce. So crazy stuff, man. Crazy time we live in. We got Elon Musk nudging asteroids from hitting the earth. We got scientists creating robots that can reproduce. And then on the other end of the spectrum, we got uh, groups of people calling uh, – calling white people Parmesan pilgrims and, and uh, cream cheese confederates and people arguing about their pronoun usage. So there's quite a bifurcation in the level of intelligence and uh, intent in the human population. But I digress. I hope, uh, I hope it's enough to keep us optimistic and to keep us pressing forward because I do think that all of this is absolutely worth it. And the most important thing is that we keep talking about stuff. We keep an open line of communication. We keep our minds open. We keep our minds, you know what I'm about to say, free. And so with that, my friends, until next time, keep your minds free. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com podcast. That's Indeed.com podcast. Terms and conditions apply.